on to what God has put on my heart today. This is actually the first time I'm preaching in like, I don't know, over a month, or about a month. And so it's a bit weird for me, um, and, and I do have to kind of get going a little bit. <laughs> but I really enjoyed last week. Who enjoyed last week with our wonderful triple treat? Uh, they each brought such a, a wonderful word. And I hope that you were blessed by that. And then a week before, Pastor Beck shared a message that came from a, uh, a sense of where we are going as a church and um, the sense that we as a church, in terms of like the picture that God's giving to us, is like a time that we're crossing the Jordan into the promised land. And the necessary important thing that we need to have is courage. And I really love that. And um, uh, that week that Beck was preparing, I was taking some time to pray for our church. And God put two different words on my heart. And you can see that. That is my handwriting. That is the whiteboard in um, the church. My handwriting's not that bad, right? It's actually quite good. I think it's kind of cool. Beck doesn't think so, but that's all right. Um, so I wrote down, take heart and the word courage. God put both of those words on my heart and put them down and then I was like kind of looking into it and going like, yep, cool, awesome. And then this thought came to my mind. I think it was Holy Spirit kind of guiding me and it said, look into the origin of the word courage. And I don't always do that. I am a nerd, but that wasn't something that I necessarily thought about. So I went into went Google and said, what uh, was the origin of the word courage? The word courage actually means heart. It actually just means to take heart. And it came from the French or something like that. And, and say so, um, um, that, that was what it was. Courage actually means to take heart. That's, that's the origins of the word. And so I was like, God, you said take heart, take heart. And I was like, did, I, did you stutter, God? Did you stutter? I don't think God stuttered because he gave me two different words, but it had the same, exact same meaning. And I think God really wanted to impress on me that courage is going to be a huge part of our uh, um, church moving forward, especially this year. And the things that God wants to do, we have got to have courage. We've got to take heart. We've got to get ready because God is asking us to do things that possibly and frankly are probably going to scare us. You don't say to someone who is already full of confidence, be courageous. You know, when people kind of assume, right, that I, I, I actually have no problem public speaking. It doesn't matter whether it's 50 people, it doesn't matter whether it's 1,000 people. I don't have a problem. And so some people, they're like, you'll be so good. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I know. It doesn't encourage you when it's something that you already have. Like if you go to a really great car mechanic and you go to this car mechanic and say, I wish you luck in, in repairing my car. The mechanics, I don't need luck. I know what I'm doing. But when God is trying to encourage us about something and to say, have courage, it probably means it's because we're going to need it, right? And so I want to dive into that today because I think that God is wanting to do something in our midst and I think that the work is going to start uh, uh, by... Uh, Silencing the Goblin, which is the message for today. Silencing the Goblin. And um, so, as, as some of you might know, um, online dictionaries do this thing now, I think just to engage people, where they come up with a word of the year. And so, uh, some of them, they do it just by the number of people searching up a certain word, uh, or sometimes they do a poll. Well, Oxford Dictionary decided to do a poll, and um, the word of the year is meant to capture as they say, the ethos 
or the zeitgeist, or the sense of what is going on in the community. This is what people are thinking about. This is what people uh, uh, have their emotions or their thoughts or their lifestyles tied around in this previous year, and they are really thinking about this. And so, in 2022, uh, they chose, the public chose for Oxford's Word of the Year, they chose the phrase, Goblin Mode. Yeah. They chose the word goblin mode, and it sounds a bit weird. Um, I think you kind of have to be a bit in the, in, in the gaming world to understand all these modes. But basically, this is the uh, definition of it. It's a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. 2022 was the year of the goblin mode. And over the last decade or 15, 20 years, with the rise of technology, our world has become, as some experts call it, a VUCA world, which is volatile, unpredictable, complex, and ambiguous. VUCA, V-U-C-A. And that is to tell us that the world is changing rapidly. Is crazy, is unpredictable, and it's really difficult to sometimes be able to know what you are supposed to do with your life because the world is so vuka, and um, and 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 and, it's, and people get really anxious about the world more than ever because things are, are crazy difficult. I remember, like for example, when I moved to Perth. Um, uh, from Singapore, and I went to Ross Point Senior High School, which is a massive school, and so they have many different subjects, and they gave me the subject choice form. And, the, and in Singapore, you have to do English, and as a person of Chinese descent, I have to do Mandarin. I've forgotten most of it, don't ask me any of it. Well, you must do at least one math, you must do at least one science, and you must do a humanity, and so your subject choice form is about that long. <laughs> tick, 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 tick. Oh, no, you have to do that. What's your elective? Oh, you don't get an elective. <laughs> you get told what you're supposed to study. It, 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 you know, Singapore is not rated very high on the UN's um, human rights um, <laughs> list. I'm being serious, it's actually not because they tell you how you're supposed to live, because it's a little tiny nation and it needs people to get in line. But you come to individualistic Australia, where the world is your oyster. And so you get to choose everything from early childhood studies to, to robotics. I chose both of them. Um, and it doesn't match, but I did because I could. <laughs> but I know that many people, when you get more choices, is more stressful. And in the world that we are in, technology has been great, but it's also made things really unpredictable and ambiguous. What's the best cause of action for me? Should I do this or this? I don't know, because both could lead to, should I go into early childhood or robotics? Well, both. Completely different lifestyles. What is going to be the best for Nate? I don't know. Why not try? And there's this like oh, ambiguity in life. But over the last two years, that's been ramped up to a whole different level. Where, you know, you, you plan a trip and you have to cancel the trip. Beck and I were there. We were going to fly to Melbourne for a conference and to meet Beck's new uh, nephew. I got COVID literally the day before we were supposed to fly off. We couldn't go. And there's this level of tension and this level of I don't know what is going to happen. And I think WA wasn't even that bad. 
We did not cop it that bad. And so across the world, there were people who were in crazy lockdowns for months on end. And what they ended up with was this thinking, I'm going to just tap out a little bit, just a little bit, and I'm going to go into goblin mode. I'm going to go against society's expectations of me. I'm going to go away from the responsibilities that I'm supposed to have, and I'm just going to self-care by eating a whole tube of mint slices. We were talking about this on Friday. I can do that, and I'm a <laughs> or a whole pint of ice cream, or binge watch that TV show that you know doesn't do your soul any good, but it's called self-care. It's self-care. Maybe it's a level of self-preservation. I don't know what's going to happen, so I might as well do something that is going to bring me pleasure and a sense of crowdedness. And I like sometimes, I, I, I can reach this, not often, but when Sam's kind of like in a, my son, when he's in a bit of like an all over the place mode, would you like some TV? He's <laughs> like, yes. He's like, yes, it's good. <laughs> is that what I should be doing? It's goblin mode, <laughs> but we all do that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, having a little bit of time to care for ourselves or to have a sense of, of you know, yeah, the moments where we can enjoy. God's given us the world to enjoy. I'm not saying that we end up in a place where we're working to our last drop of blood um, and pushing ourselves beyond the boundary of what we are able to, but the goblin mode, I think, is a dangerous mode. And I feel like the more we feed the goblin, the more we listen to the goblin, the more the goblin speaks to us. What was meant to be once in a long time treat, becomes, what's wrong with once a week? And then becomes, what's wrong with once a day? And we kind of allow the goblin, and, and, and this is a pretty, Oxford's de uh, definition is pretty intense, and, and I do want to kind of walk away from that intensity where it talks about this greediness and this self-indulgence, but I want to talk about the times that because of the craziness of our emotions or the situations that we are faced with and all that we have to deal with, it's easy to listen to the goblin that tells us, why don't you just tap out for a little while? And I think that where we are going as a church takes courage because I think we need to stop the comfort goblin from being in our ears so much, telling us what we are to do with our lives because the goblin is not there for our self-interest. The goblin is something that you need to discipline. It's something that I think we need to silence a lot more. And there's a parable that Jesus gives that speaks into this idea, I think, or speaks quite well into this idea, and it's found in Luke chapter 19, verses 11 to 27. And it's called the parable of the miners. It's got a cousin called the parable of the talents, and that one is found in Matthew chapter 25. But we're not going to use the talent story, we're going to use the minor story. So if some of these details seem a little bit different, talents are very popular. The miners are kind of like the weird cousin that's shoved to the back of the room. And so we're going to talk about that cousin for a little while. And um, so the parable of the miners goes like this. Jesus was giving this parable for a very specific reason. You see, he was about to approach Jerusalem, which was the capital of Israel. 
And he was going to be going there as kind of like the final leg of his public ministry. And so people who had seen Jesus for a while, seen the signs he had done, seen the teaching that he'd done, they kind of had this understanding that Jesus is the Messiah. However, the expectation of the Messiah is that when he goes to Jerusalem, he is going to overthrow the Roman Empire. And he's going to restore Israel's glory. He is going to uh, turn everything around. He's going to just basically make all the oppression, make all the difficulty, make all of that bad stuff disappear, and Israel is just going to be, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be wonderful. That's what they were thinking was about to happen. Uh, And you can read this in Luke chapter 19. It says he was about to approach Jerusalem, and they were thinking that the kingdom was going to come. It was now, now's the time. And so Jesus speaks into that expectation that he is about to do all of these things with this parable. And it's really, really different from the expectation. In this parable, uh, the master who is about to be crowned king, sound familiar? Jesus is about to be crowned king and what they were thinking. Uh, he, have, uh, he gets 10 servants together and he gives each of these servants a minor. Now a minor is about three months wages. And he gives each of them the same. Now, if you're thinking about the parable of the talents, you would be thinking, oh, there were three servants and they were each given a different amount of talents. This one is different. There were 10 servants and each of them was given the same amount of resource. And then the master says to all of these servants in Luke 19 verse 13, engage in business until I come. That's great, great teaching. Master, this is how you make money, engage in business. Okay, cool. And so the master goes, and then the master comes back. And then he calls the servants to give an account for what they've done during the time that he was away. And the first one comes, and he says, Master, you gave me one minor, I have made ten. Pretty impressive. And the master was impressed, and he says in Luke 19, verse 17, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little you shall have authority over 10 cities. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus was talking about this in, representation, in, response, sorry, in response to what people were thinking. This is the Messiah about to bring the kingdom. And he says, in response, this parable, I'm going to give you something that you are going to be responsible for. And if you grow this, it has a corresponding reward when I am actually king and make king over this whole earth. That's something that we need to take note of. I think sometimes the way that our theology is gone, we've gone away from understanding that we have responsibilities that there are rewards for. It is biblical to understand that there is a level of uh, uh, responsibility and reward. There is. So don't go around saying God's grace covers all my weaknesses, so I'm going to do nothing about it because we're going to read about that servant very soon. So there's a second servant, and he comes, and the second servant says, you gave me one minor, I have made five, and the master says, well, you get five cities. And then there's a third servant who comes, and the third servant says this, Luke 19, verses 20 to 21, Lord, here is your minor, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. So what does the master do? He says, well, take that minor of this guy and give it to the one who has ten. And the rest of the people are like, but that guy already has 10. And then the master says, well, to those who have more will be given. To those who do not have, even what they have will be taken away. 
It's pretty severe here. And the master also tells this guy off because he says, well, if you know that I'm a severe man who reaps where I did not sow, then maybe you should have at least done the absolute minimum by putting this miner in the bank and getting it back to me with interest because that interest is the absolute minimum. And I mean that because when I studied finance a few years ago, this is something that I thought was mind-blowing. It literally was. There is something called the time value of money. And the time value of money is simply this. If you have a dollar and you just hold a dollar, every year that dollar decreases in value. It's still a dollar, but in the world scope, you have been losing money. If you want that dollar to have the same value, the minimum is the interest rates that the banks are giving. And so if the interest rates is 1%, next year, your dollar needs to have grown to a dollar and one cent. If not, you have lost one cent. That's on a dollar. When you're talking about much more money than that, you're talking about much bigger growth based on, I mean, over the last two years, the banks have been giving basically like negative interest. So you're doing all right. <laughs> but in a general sense, this guy, this servant, wasn't even doing the minimum. He wasn't even doing the minimum. And so the master gets really angry with him. And this story to me, this parable to me, speaks about the goblin's voice. Because think about this. There were ten servants and they were all given the same instruction, all given the same resource. And yes, there were varied outcomes, but it seems to me that there were some that were extremely successful and there was one who was extremely dumb. And so this one servant listened to the goblin that told him, this is not fair. This is too hard. I wasn't trained for this. I'm a servant, I wipe people's feet. And you want me to multiply this money? What is it you want me to do about this? Or maybe he thought, there is so much risk out there. The market's not what it used to be. And if I try to do something, if I lose this, the outcome's gonna be worse for me than if I do nothing at all. Ultimately, I think that all the different thoughts that might have been going through his mind, he ended up with this thought, Doing nothing is the best idea and the most self-preserving move that I could make. And that ended up being the worst decision for him. And I think in all of our lives, we need to think about what God has entrusted us with. Because we have all been given a level of responsibility and we are all called to account for that responsibility. But how we see that responsibility and how we view that life is going to hugely impact what we do with it. The goblin's going to tell us that doing something with this responsibility is far too hard. But the truth is, you have got all that you need to be able to do what you need to with this resource. And see, that servant might have said, I wasn't instructed in how to do this. The other nine servants were in the same position. That one servant could have said, this responsibility is far too hard for me. But the nine other servants saw this as an opportunity and not a burden.
And the truth is, that servant chose to go it alone. He had a servant who managed to make 10 times the amount of investment. And he could have gone to that dude and said, hey man, you seem to be really good at this. Can I put my miner with your miner? You just tell me what to do. I'll work for you. I will help you. I will journey with you. What did he do? He partnered with a handkerchief. And he went to hide it. Did the handkerchief give him any good ideas on what to do with his responsibility? Heck no. Handkerchief couldn't even talk back to him. He could have partnered with someone else. You see, the story wasn't 10 servants being capped in 10 different places where they were having to survive this alone. Alicia spoke about this brilliantly last week when, he said, when she said that, that, that resilience isn't an individual concept. When resilience is about you as an individual, it is more about pride than it is about strength. I love that. When she was, oh, that hurts. Because I want to look strong. I want to look capable. I want to be able to push through all the difficult times. But when I realize that comes from a prideful spirit, oh. So the goblin makes you think that you are alone. The goblin makes you think that the resources that you have is only found within yourself. The goblin makes you think that you are going to have to figure this out. If not, you are in trouble. And the goblin makes you think that the world is unfair and the world is too hard. And we are going to have to be courageous enough to silence the goblin because the goblin ultimately is trying to keep you in self-preservation. And so I want you to think about this. What are the things that God has put in your heart that you're not doing because of self-preservation? What are the dreams that God has put on your heart? What are the things that you are going, oh man, I used to get excited about that, but now I'm a realist. <laughs> Ideals don't put food on the table. I get it. I get it. But is the goblin taking you away from the adventure that God is calling you to? And so you might go, but I still feel really stuck. And I don't really know how to silence the goblin. Well, I've got one key word that I want you to think about. What are you investing in? You see, there's ultimately, it sounds like the master would have been happy if the servant at least did the minimum and took the effort to go to the bank and say, here's a minor, I want it on a high interest account, and I'm going to come back for it a little bit later. A step, a step away from what the goblin tells you to do is not that massive to take a step, but we need to think and to consider what we are investing into. See, when Beck and I um, were first uh, preparing to be parents, we uh, were given this advice, and it says, parent as you, oh sorry, begin as you mean to go. Begin as you mean to go. And they explain it this way. If you don't want your child to think that the remote control is a toy, don't offer it when they're above as though it is a toy. Because then you're going to have to train them that the remote control is now no longer a toy. And for your three months old's mind, why? You used to give that to me to silence me, and it used to be my favorite lollipop. And now you're telling me that it's not a toy. 
doesn't make sense to them. And so it actually works. Right from the start, I never let Sam think that my glasses are a toy. Never. And when his grandparents thought that it would be a nice thing for him to touch, I was like, don't let him touch that. That's off limits because I never want grubby fingers on my glasses. I have got bad eyes. Apparently, I've got really fat eyes that can't take contact lenses. The optometrist has told me that, and so I have to wear these blooming things, and if they have to be wiped every few seconds because my Sam thinks it's a toy, life is really hard. <laughs> so begin as you mean to go, Sam, glasses are not toys. Sam, glasses are not toys. Now, that's a simple example. There are many other things that we have to train in Sam, and some of them are really difficult. Sometimes it's easy to bring the goblin out and say, let's just watch TV. I get it. But the whole concept is like, where are we going? Where do we want to go? And how do I set myself on a path towards that? There are far bigger things that I'm trying to deal with. What does it mean for Sam to be a man? And that's where I want him to go as a man of God, as a person of character. So how do I plot that course? How do I journey with this three-year-old at the moment? But one day he's going to be five. One day he's going to be going to school. One day he's going to have other voices in his ear. But if I want him to be a man of character, a man of strength, a man of God, then I need to begin as I mean to go. And the Bible tells us this as well. It's like you, you set your children on the way that they should go and they won't deviate from the path. That is a principle that is found in the Bible. And so what are you investing in? It might be your child that you need to think about. It might be your children. It might be your marriage. It might be your education. It might be the goals and the dreams that God has put in your heart. Begin as you mean to go. If you want to have this pulpit and this position, this platform to be able to speak, how are you investing into it? Oh, I'm just, I'm just like praying that one day God will open Pastor Nate's eyes and that he will see that, you know, I really am a prophet from the Lord. And I was like, no, stop praying that. That's a goblin prayer. Invest. Do something about it. And it's like, I want to sing. Can you sing? No, but I really want to. Well, that's a goblin talking. Invest into it. Take some... YouTube singing lessons, which are free, because I've done that. But there are ways to do this. And in Proverbs 4.26, this is what it says, Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Now, I looked into this, and the word ponder actually can also mean make level. Make level the path of your feet. Make level, ponder. And I think that that's because in the Hebrew concept of, of life, thinking and action are always related to each other. And that's something that we actually need to act, uh, be, be, be really mindful about. Because quite often what I've noticed is that people aren't doing things because they think that they need to make the perfect plan before they put it into action. Yeah? That is absolutely petrifying. Do you have the perfect plan? No. So I'm never going to start. I'm going to eat ice cream on my couch instead. That sounds like a goblin to me. That sounds absolutely like the goblin is trying to stop you from doing things and investing into your life. If you don't know where your life is going to be in five years' time, maybe just consider in two weeks what you're going to improve on. And then make level. 
make level, do something about it. And it says, make level the path of your feet. Now, the word path means road, all right? It actually means like a proper road. So it says, prepare the road so that all your ways will be sure. The word ways is the word journey. So you prepare the road and then you journey on it. You prepare the road and then you journey on it. You make level the road and then you journey on it. Make sense? So if you're worried about the journey, focus on the road. If you're worried about where's my life going to take me, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, make the road and then your ways are going to be sure. I think that's a really wonderful concept that we actually get to build roads in our life. We get to build pathways in our life that we step on and so that when we step on it, I've done the work. I've prayed about it. I've done the investment. I've done what I can and I'm taking the step. I'm taking the step now and my path, sorry, my ways are sure because I have made level the path. Now, there are times that God does supernatural things and prepares pathways for us. But then there's the other thought, like, are you actually journeying on the path that God has taken you? So there are two things about this. Prepare the road, walk on the road. Prepare the road, walk on the road. Prepare the road, walk on the road. That's what investments are like. You prepare the road, you walk on the road. Back when uh, Beck and I sold our house in Canningvale, a number of years ago, and then we downsized into uh, moving to Carlisle and preparing for uh, adoption, which we thought was going to be international and a lot of money, but God opened a new pathway, which is amazing, and, and, and we were placed locally with Sam, and we did all of that, and we were left with some money, and I was thinking, well, we should do something about this, because I literally had just learned that money sitting in um, a bank doing nothing is actually losing value. I was like, well, I want to increase the value, and so I thought, okay, what do I do? And so what did I do? I made level my path by talking to my brother-in-law, who used to be an accountant, who recommended to me to read a book, so I read the book, and then I did what the book said to do. And now that money has literally increased by 50%. What did I do? Was it magical? Was Holy Spirit suddenly giving me a bolt of insight as to how to do things? No, I think Holy Spirit was guiding me as I went. See the word ways, another way to interpret it is as you go along. Some of us aren't going because the goblin has been telling us to sit on our butts and we've been listening to it. Now that might sound a little bit harsh and I do beg to warn me that this message might be a, a harsh tone I, I, because I feel like I'm a coach preparing my team to go out and win the finals. And that's where my heart is at because I think that we've got a shot at this. I think that God's wanting to do some crazy, amazing things. But if we allow the goblin to tell us that we, are, we aren't good enough, we aren't prepared enough, that we don't have enough, that the resources aren't present, and so we just sit back, we are going to waste the opportunities that are in front of us. And more importantly, I really feel like God is taking each and every one of us on this journey. One of the things that Beck and I have been praying over the last few months is that as we transition into a new season, God help us not to lose anyone. Literally, that's been our prayer. Because sometimes when change comes, there are people that don't change along with us. And we get it because change is hard. Change takes courage. 
Change takes so much courage. You're losing sight of your comforts, the things that you use to control. But what change really does is that it helps us to see who is really Lord in our hearts. And sometimes that is a really hard lesson to take. I don't want to change because I want to be in control. So who am I serving? Me. And so I'm not particularly thinking or looking at anyone at all when I prepared this message. I seriously was just in the place of like, man, if all of us would just prepare the road and then step into the road, step onto the road, where are we going to be? Even in two, three weeks' time, if we just ponder and consider and plan and then we start to put the resources into that pathway. Is it a risk? Yes. But sitting back is also going to be a risk. Time doesn't stop and you're still using resources. And you are hanging back, waiting for the times to change. It's not going to change for you. It's just going to keep going until you catch up with it. And so that's my prayer and I was praying about how to land this. And I really sense that maybe through the harshness of my tone, I don't intend, but maybe there's something in you that goes, you know what? I've actually gone goblin mode. I've actually allowed maybe even the enemy just to tell me that I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. Oh, you're just overwhelmed. Maybe it's... Maybe it's that sense of, I'm just overwhelmed. I've been trying so hard, but I'm overwhelmed. And I don't know what to do. Let this be the voice of the Spirit. Start to invest. You can do this. We've got a community here. We've got people here who can turn one mine and a ten. Hitch your wagon to theirs. If you just say, how do you do this? Tell me something that I should do this week, and I'm going to do it. Try that. If you don't know what road building looks like, find people who are really great road builders. There literally are people in this church that are fantastic at that. I think that's somewhat called discipleship, right? Follow me as I follow Christ. Where did I go from that? So... I, I think this morning how, how I think we should be landing is taking a little bit of time to ponder the path of our feet and to make some decisions to invest even this week, to do something this coming week. Put it in your calendar. Literally do it. And see where that takes you. See, when the Israelites were about to cross the Jordan River, all they were stepping on was God's promises. They didn't know how they were going to literally slay the giants of the promised land. And when you read those stories in Joshua about killing these people and getting rid of these kings, they always attach the nationality and you will see Raphaites coming up a lot of times. Why? Or the Anakin. Anakins? The Anakins. The Anakin Skywalkers. 
the future Darth Vaders of the world. But those were literally giants. It was short form for big, ugly, terrible person. And they listed all the giants that they killed. We read that and go, oh, it'll be so much fun to be a giant slayer. Israelites didn't know that's what they were going to be doing. All they were walking on was a promise from God that you follow me, you do what I tell you to do, and things are going to change. Next week, I think we're going to talk about discerning God's voice because I think it's so important in this day and age. We're not just going on like, who wants to be a millionaire? That's not what the Christian life is about, but there are things that I think God is calling us to invest in and I really want us to step into it. Can we get the band up? It'll help me to know that I'm meant to be landing this. <laughs> but I really sense some people need to silence their goblins this morning. There's that voice that keeps you unsure, keeps you unsteady, keeps you paralyzed for whatever reason might be pride, it might be laziness, it might be insecurity, it might be all of the above. I find it fascinating that the most insecure people are the most prideful people. And I'm often there myself, it's a journey that I've been on, but I sense this morning Holy Spirit wanting to silence the goblin with you. That when the master says, engage in business until I come, it wasn't meant to overwhelm you. It wasn't meant to squash you. It was meant to be a freedom and a joy. I get to do this. I really do. And the truth is, some of you have got callings, dreams that God's put in your heart that goes way beyond what I'll be able to lead you into as a pastor of a church. And that excites me, the fact that there's so much potential in this room full of people that God has called to do amazing things. I mean, when Paul the Apostle was first saved, the whole church didn't know what to do with him. But there was one man, his name is Barnabas, and said, God's got a call on you, let's just do this. And Paul went far beyond what Barnabas ended up doing. But without Barnabas, there's no Paul. My hope is that this morning that I'm not the wonderful leader that's going to lead you into everything that God has called you to. I just want to be your Barnabas. I just want to encourage you that God has placed His hand on your life, that there's a calling and there's a destiny and there are things that are meant to be called up, they are meant to be done, they are meant to be invested into. But are you going to make level those paths and are you going to walk into them? If you feel like you don't know how to, or you're feeling overwhelmed about that, I want to pray with you because I believe that that goblin is meant to be silenced and the Spirit is meant to be released in your life in a new way, in a fresh way. So can we just stand this morning? We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.